Williams, President and CEO of Project for Pride and Living. Welcome to the Race, Place and Policy podcast. PPL has created this space as a way of engaging with our community on the wide range of issues impacting our work on a daily basis. It's our firm belief that the complex issues around race, place, and policy are central to this dialogue. We thank you for joining us. This month, our conversation is about diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. DEI has become a buzzword across organizations But what does that implementation really look like at the organizational level? And how does an organization like PPL both walk the walk and, in fact, talk the talk out in the community? I'm joined today by Maria Pabon Gautier, PPL Vice President of Talent, Equity, and Culture, and Deborah Smith, Director of Equity and Learning, two vital leaders in our DEI and our equity work as a whole here at PPL. It's great to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I want to I want to just start actually it, with each of you kind of on a personal level. Um, we always ask this of, of all of our guests just to just to talk about you know kind of we want to get to know you. Tell us what what brought you to what brought you to this work. And I'm I'm going to defer to my elder uh, Deborah, uh, who's been with PPL and and been before that New Foundations for many years. Uh, Uh, an organization that actually merged with PPL. But Deborah, talk about what brought you to this work, to the work of equity and and to your your life's work. Thank you, Paul. Uh, For me, it started um, as someone who works in the community. And I looked at what we look at sometimes as uh, a choice. To me, there's a free choice. And then there's a choice of what's offered to you. A free choice, you have all the information. And what I recognize is for people of color in the community, there isn't often a free choice. And so for me, I looked at what's not uh, looked at as, oh, well, what's fair, but it's about what's equitable. And thinking about that in terms of not only my personal life, Uh, the lives of those that I've been in service of for 30 plus years and how it matters. And thinking about equity as a lens in which to do our work, in which to provide a service, in which to uh, engage those that are uh, in the community and engage those that are in our organization. And how do we do that work? That's fabulous. And and I know, uh, De- Deborah, you worked in supportive housing uh, for years, yes. um, uh, both at New Foundations. Uh, I know you know an awful lot about governmental systems and yes. and funding of services, uh, human services, uh, and then we're head of PPL's um, family supportive housing here for many years. And, and when did you make that transition into the talent, equity, and culture uh, uh, department? Uh, it's been about uh, 18 months now that I made the transition. However, from our early work in uh, DEI, which we started Paul uh, around eight years ago, I want to say eight, nine years ago, yep. Yep. we started that work here. And I was excited about the work because it gave opportunity for us to look at how we are engaging with each other 
but even a bigger picture of how are we engaging the participants that are coming to us from the community? And what does that look like for other organizations that we work with? And how important it is for everyone to look at what is the value, what is the true value of equity? What does that mean for us in the community? What does that mean uh, in, in our supportive housing? Okay, how does that look for our, our participants who oftentimes struggle with systems that impact their daily life? And so being able to make those connections with, with different agencies that they bump up against and not have opportunity to have their full potential met. Everything from the mental health services to their um, uh, equitable uh, services that their families might need, the school systems that our kids are going to. What does that mean for us? And how do we do that in a, in a way that not only engages our participants, but has systems to look at our work in a different light. Mm -hmm. That's fabulous, that's fabulous. Well, and Maria, and I should say Dr. Maria Pabon Gautier, <laughs> um, uh, tell us about what, what brought you to this work because you're, you're actually relatively, not new, but you're new to working in community development. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what brought you to this work and then ultimately to PPL. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you. So I, I'm not originally from here. From here. I'm originally from Puerto Rico. So um, I came here um, when I was 21 to um, to do my, my my graduate degree. And when, when I landed here, um, although I had done right, like when you're the majority in Puerto Rico, I was the majority. Right. So that this term of people of color was not a thing. Um, and then when I landed here, I, I remember I went from being Maria to being a person of color, a woman of color, Latina, Hispanic, at risk, a number, um, you name it, right? Everything but who I was. Um, so I started a lot of my work initially in trying to understand the, the impact that communities, right, especially immigrant communities as, as a protective factor had on the identity identity development of folks, um, but also the impact that areas like discrimination, um, social political movement, uh, um, and, and all the different forces that we don't have control over also had in our identity development. So I started from a little bit of a more of a research perspective. Um, I, I was lucky enough to, after one year, of looking for community, <laughs> um, I found another nonprofit, nonprofit where I started my work in um, 2005 there with um, a community organization working in domestic violence, sexual assault, and, and trying to do leadership development in communities of color. And that, that, was, um, that was powerful because in 2005, doing the work by us, for us was very innovative and was very different. And I could see the impact that it was having in my community, that we were building programs, initiatives, products that um, spoke to the strength um, and the ones of our community. So this, this work just kind of kept kind of growing in me. And, and um, as I continued to move forward, seeing the challenges and the barriers that were, as you, as you talked about, of how do we, it felt like we were doing the work um, 
in a, in a sea of maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to move through and slow. Um, but that there was like this power in numbers, this, this power in community. Um, so from there, like that, taking that passion and, and, um, and that love for communities, love for looking at our community from a strength-based approach, um, I went back to higher ed to work with young people. Um, for me, education is, is knowledge, is power. And, and a lot of folks in our communities don't have necessarily the access to education, which then limits the access and the pipeline and the wealth generation in the future. And being able to figure out how do we widen that pipeline? How do we create programs? How do we create, um, yeah, how, how do we create opportunities mm -hmm. yeah. for, for, for young people that, that reflect who they are um, and that are not necessarily um, based on a, on a white framework, that are not based on a, um, on a legacy framework was, was really fun. Um, and it, it was, um, it's something that, that has kept adding to my love to this work and just, I feel allows me to look at it holistically. And, and I think right now, how I stay in it, um, as a mom of two girls of color, I always say this work is very personal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I grew up believing that I could reach the stars, um, and that my identity was a bonus was an awesome factor. It was not a challenge. It was not an at risk. And, and I, and I, I want my children to have that experience. I, I want my children to be judged by their actions and not by their identities that their humanity and their, um, dignity is not questioned, um, just because of showing up as, as little Latinas. So, um, so that just kind of has stayed, um, spent a long time in higher ed, um, doing equity and inclusion work and, 2022 happened um and i you know i've known of ppl for for a long time because of my work at the first nonprofit. and um this opportunity what i said is that i would leave the field if an opportunity where there's a position and yeah, a position dedicated to do DEI in a nonprofit was created um, at an executive level just because nonprofits, we do the work because we had to. <laughs> it was not, we didn't sit and say, we're going to do this work. We were in communities, we're doing the work, and um, but having positions like Deborah or mine adds a level of intentionality um, to the work that it doesn't exist everywhere. Well, here I am, <laughs> a year and a half later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we're thrilled, thrilled to have you, uh, both of you. And and uh, uh, Maria, you came in as the leader of what was a new talent equity and culture. And I want to come back to this actually in a little bit uh, of the creation of that department as a whole and kind of the philosophy behind that. But I, I, I want to just, uh, just, uh, dive a little bit into uh, so what are some of the tools what are some of the strategies within PPL's equity work that um, that we are uh, uh, that we are employing and, and Deborah if you could just just kind of briefly just tick off you know some of those different what are the different pieces of the work at PPL and literally the, I mean the different tools and how we gather people and that that kind of thing sure we have been uh, intentional about putting together what we call courageous conversations, right? And in there, we have 
uh, what's considered the four agreements, right? And it's a, a type of protocol or a way to have a deeper conversation and it is focused on race. And oftentimes when we start talking about race, whether it's on our job or with someone in the community, it's one of those four things that you don't talk about. You know, you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about race, you don't talk about how much money people make. It's one of those top conversations that people often try to avoid. So we've been intentional here at PPL to put together some tools to support the staff in their work with each other and in the greater community. And what that looks like is we provide an IDI for every person that comes in and they get an individual development plan in which they look at their own level of competency and, and their own level of how they see themselves first, right? And then how do you see others? How do you work with others? So the IDI is one tool. What, what, is the, what does IDI stand for, Deborah? It stands for Individual Development Inventory. And it's a type of, of uh, questionnaire. It's not a test. It's not uh, something that you're going to use for or with someone else. It's basically to look at yourself and how do you how do you see yourself? Are you in a place where you are uh, looking at others and minimizing their experience, minimizing how they see themselves? Or are you looking at it from a perspective of acceptance? And what does that mean? And how does that impact you and your work and with working with others, right? And each person also receives a uh, individual coach to support them around where they land, what is what is your um, your subconscious? Is that also a part of your conscious mind? And how do you bring those together to engage others in a much better way? So right, that's kind of like that's a one bias, kind of yes. bias training. So, so Absolutely. those are those are those are kind of staff trainings, staff yes. dialogue, staff engagement. Right. conversations as one part of that, that model, huh? Absolutely. And we also have um, affinity space. And the affinity space is for each, um, each of us to gather in a space where you are able to have conversation with those that are the same race and same culture as you. There is, right now, there are four spaces. It is uh, designed around the Black and African American group. It's designed to support those who are multicultural, multiracial folks who, who have dual kinds of identities. And there's also a group that's specific for uh, Asian American national and Pacific Island, yep, yep. AANHPI group yep. as well. And then there's a white space. And these are spaces that are designed not necessarily to come up with this great plan of what they're going to do in terms of an organization or in the community, but it's designed to have conversation where you can talk about your experience and what your experience means to you and to your peers and your coworkers. What does that mean? And how do you, how do you have a space like that that is free of judgment? Well, and I'll, I'll I'll say the um, again that work and and Deborah, you were here certainly when yes. I came to PPL ten years ago, yes. and we started out very gradually. 
yeah. we could have said, hey, let's just let's let's share a video video and have some dialogue. And yeah. and we started digging into it and 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 over time found different tools, I think. And again, you were yes. a big part of this, that the the the, mm-hmm. the the courageous conversations on race as a protocol for how you dialogue, how literally how you interact with folks, how right. you talk about race, the the IDI cultural competence assessment tool. I think uh probably upwards of two thirds of our staff now have been through that, if not more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're probably in our 10th cohort. In our 12th cohort. 12th actually. cohort, uh, yeah. again, over many years. Um, mm-hmm. The affinity mm-hmm. spaces, uh, again, yeah. all rich dialogues. And one of the things I would say, when George Floyd hit, yeah. um, as was the case for many organizations, the 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 dialogue just obviously shifted and and got much harder. So the longer that PPL has been in this work, the harder it's gotten. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and Absolutely. so it's just so interesting for an organization. Usually you think, well, we've mastered this now. We've been at it for seven years. No, actually, the deeper you go, the harder it gets. And it's counterintuitive, but but I I view that as a healthy thing. I view that as a healthy thing. Maria, are there a couple of other areas just in terms of tangible areas? I know staffing is a big piece. Um, some of our yeah. other areas that you would touch on that you would add to that list? Yeah, I think to the list, but I think also to the approach. I think this works sometimes when we start getting into it. People need to, that they have to create this per- perfect formula to to get engaged in the DEI work. And, and, and I think we are a perfect example that we just kind of went for it. We just started talking about it, um, and and that was on its own a bold move. Let's just talk about it, and then let's let's look at who is talking about it. So we started looking at our staff and who our staff is, and and then um, can how are we talking about it? And this is where the courageous conversations about race came in, and the IDI and all these different um, trainings that we provide. We also other pieces that we do is that. Um, since in my in our role in our talent equity and culture department, human resources is part of it too. Um, from the first day that our staff comes here, they are being like they are being engaged in this race equity conversation. It, it's it doesn't it's not left for the IDI workshop. We're constantly talking about it in orientation, in our onboarding, in our employee handbook, and the different pieces that they're gonna be touching upon. They're gonna know. <laughs> That, that, that we center all of our conversation and our work around race, equity, and people. And, and that, that's kind of who we are as an organization. And, and um, our organizational culture is built on that. So, so I think in, in terms of kind of, and then some of the activities that we have seen this integration of race equity without having to say, you're going to go through and race equity training is all of our leadership and talent development um, training workshops and opportunities that we provide our staff. We make sure that when we do leadership development, 61% of our staff identify as Black, Indigenous, or people of color. 55% of our leaders identify as, as um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color. So when we think of leadership development, we, we have to think about that development in a very different way, with a very different lens of how do we integrate race into that conversation? Because many of our leaders um, may not have ever seen someone lead that quote unquote traditional way. So how do we redefine leadership? How do we redefine success? And how do we um, work with our up and coming leaders to lead in a way that feels 
authentic to them and that also meets um, the mission of the organization. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that approach, uh, again, that that's you all have been doing a fabulous job of building that out. But that staffing, that question of do you reflect the communities that you serve? Um, and and that obvious for many organizations, many nonprofits in particular, that's been a big question for a long time. But you mentioned that, you know, 60, 65 percent uh, of, our, of our staff, yeah, 61 percent of our staff uh, 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 identify as as uh, uh people of color, black, indigenous people of color um, in one in one form or another, that's up from about 25 or 30 percent when yeah. we started tracking this, you know, probably seven or eight years ago. Yeah. The manage our management ranks, you mentioned uh, 55 percent, that's up from about 25 percent. Mm -hmm. And so that growth um, and one of the things that we've argued here for many years at PPL is that when you start the dialogue, when you start interacting with community in different ways, when you start the journey of equity as an organization, other things, the, the other tools, the other outcomes start to reveal themselves. And so I've always argued that the fact that we started that journey years ago is what has led to yes. us, to more people of color coming to the organization. Absolutely. It, it, and so it's like, just get started. I say to other leaders all the time, just start on the journey, just with some simple dialogues some simple sharings and let the, the rest will reveal itself uh, mm -hmm. over time. So mm -hmm. Marie, I want to ask you another question. And you, you touched on this just about the philosophy and the approach. Um, why tech? Why, 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 uh, uh, why, why combine talent, equity, and culture? What, what, what's the significance of that? Yeah, so um, our, our teammates is, as we call it tech, but we know nothing about IT. So it's the talent, equity, and culture <laughs> department. Um, that the we made a bold decision as an organization, um, and I think we've been making bold decisions. That's I think how we change who our staff is and the work that we do. We we have leaned into our um, imperfection. We have leaned in into our communities, and we we take takes longer to get things done, but we are okay with that, right? So I just kind of want to put that in there. Um, but the, one of the bold um, decisions that the organization made, that we made, was take someone like me <laughs> who um, has worked in HR in the past, but my expertise has been 20 years of DEI. Um, yep. I am, I, that, that's what I live and breathe and take my role, one, elevated at the executive level, Two, put it to oversee the practices of human resources, race, race equity, and then talent development, then we were going to move as a, as a team. This is not going to be race equity on one side, HR on another one, and then talent development somewhere in the middle. Um, because the experience in the past has been that human resources and the work of DEI and professionals in DEI has either been in confrontation or the DEI work has been under HR, or there have been some partnership, but they live in very different separate areas. Um, so what we did was we combined it all, and then we put funding behind it and a team behind it. Um, so when I, one of the things that attracted me to this role is this was not a night. Everyone is doing race equity at PPL. We were going to, we were going to organize it. We were going to, it was strategic. We were, there was a momentum in it that we were just going to go and push it. And, and it's exciting and, it, and it's 
a lot of fun um, and a lot of work. <laughs> but doing it that way, what, what it allowed us was to take practices in human resources. And I was just having this conversation last week with a group of um, HR professionals that it allowed us to divide what was for us in human resources, which someone said it, human resources have become um, the group that have decided who comes in and who does have become and became the group that didn't allow many of our communities to enter spaces. So being able to figure out what in human resources was employment law and federal law and compliance and what were practices that were built not with our communities in mind. So allowing us to elevate this role and, and look at um, human resources with a race equity lens and a people lens, um, we were able to take a lot of our practices and our policies um, and changes because they inform behavior. And, and be able to lead with that has been, um, has been fascinating. So that's one of the main things. The other piece is that our, our, our HR folks are GI trained. They, one of our senior human resource generalists is participates in the courageous conversations about race. It's getting trained as a facilitator, facilitates one of the affinity spaces. It's, it's, it doesn't live separate, but will integrate everything that, that we do into one team. Um, so when our staff comes in and they need to talk to someone, they can talk to anyone. They also know that when they come and they talk to us, they're not gonna have to justify who they are. They're not gonna have to justify their identity, that, that there's a level of understanding and, a, and honoring in the conversations that they're gonna have. So uh, Deborah, I wanna come back to you and uh, this is this is off script question, but um, you know, when you think about this, uh, you know, again, we have this unified department, this, you know, kind of uh, uh, work that is happening across the organization. Um, mm -hmm. There are kind of some who would who would say, "Isn't that just a waste of time? Isn't that just kind of the soft stuff?" Um, it, it, how how would you respond to that? What what difference does this really make? That's a really great question, Paul. I I'm of the belief that once you tap into a person's belief system and their and their values of self and values of others and our humanness, I believe you will have a much better outcome for anything that you are working on. There's there's hard skills, there's soft skills. The reality to it is great people skills. And we don't necessarily lead top down. There's a golden thread in this work. And this reaches everybody in the organization and everybody that touches outside of this organization. So my belief is that the more diverse you become as an organization, the better outcomes you're going to have because you've lifted all the voices. Mm. You've given it, you've given it meaning, you've given it depth yeah. of what we can do with a more diverse staff than we can do with this individualism kind of thinking and way of being in the world, mm -hmm. right? I love this work because I've had such great opportunity to talk with people all across this organization and people outside of this organization that talk about what what is DEI work? What is, what is that? You know, that's the new buzzword around. Um, for me, it's about real equity work, right? Equity work, takes into account the perspective of each person 
right? It takes into account culture. It takes into account race and economic status, right? And how do we see economic status for the people that are here doing this work? What does that look like for them? What does that look like for the people that are coming to our career center? What does that look like for the kids that are in our schools? What does that mean for them? How do we bring everybody along on a lifelong journey? And how do we look at granting grace for those who are maybe not quite there yet? You know, how do we call people into the work instead of calling people out for their mistakes? Right. I think that is such an important and critical piece to our work. We don't want to shut people down. We want to bring people in. Right. So, yeah, so I, I think it's really a critical thing. It's our values. It's what we lean on and lean into yeah. this work. Yeah. So I want to ask you a, a, just a follow-up question on that. One, you made a perfect link, I think, to, so what difference does this make for our residents, for our participants, for our students, for our young people? Um, ha have you, again, you came out of family supportive housing, so you've been on the ground with real folks Yes. Day in, day out. Have you seen PPL's organizational work have an impact on, on the lives of real folks in, in, Absolutely. in programs? Absolutely, Paul. I think a lot of our work, not only in, in public policy, where we have our participants and those that's living in our housing be able to go to the Capitol and lend their voices that matter. Their voice matters. They matter in terms of how we engage them. We work in partnership, right? We're not doing things to people, right? We are working in partnership with this community. I've seen where we have community meetings at, at many of our sites to hear from the community and focus groups. What does this look like for you? When we build our housing, Paul, we have participants to look at what does this building look like? What does this area look like? What do you need it to be for you and your kids when you move into this property, right? How do we see that? And I think it's been so valuable to be able to have these conversations in the community with the people that live in our housing and talk about what is their experience in our housing? How are we making a difference for with them in their life? Everything from voting, to what is their what is their right? What rights do they have that they don't know about? Right? They don't know about because there hasn't been opportunity provided for them to learn that. Yeah. For them yeah. to grow. Yeah. yeah. So yes. So we even have um, uh, this year we're going to have our our library to be featured at our sites, and we're going to work with the parents and the kids at these sites to talk about what does that mean for them? Our kids are gonna see books with pictures that look like them, right? The parents are gonna read novels where they have opportunity to look at different perspectives of people that look like them, right? And language that sounds like them, right? And to me, when the more people see that there is opportunity and that they have a voice, the better the community is going to be, even as a whole. Yeah. Uh, some of our communities, Paul, work with the um, police department liaison in order to talk about safety where they live. 
And that's an important thing for them to know that they have a voice to be able to do that, to be able to have those conversations, right? So I think it's a critical thing to know that we as as an organization are not looking at what we're doing to people, but how we're working with our community and how our community is lending its voice to support what they need and want and what we can provide and support. That's so. fabulous. And, and uh, you know, Maria, I, I wanted to ask you a, a related question just about voice and how, how, do, how, how do we think about voice across the organization and, and with our constituents and stakeholders, just the different ways that we use that term, that word, a lot. <laughs> I think um, so I, in, in multiple ways. Internally, we, um, we have multiple opportunities for, for us to elevate the voices of our staff. Um, we have from, like I said, our affinity spaces, like Deborah mentioned, but also we have committees. We have our race equity advisory committee. We have our public policy committee. So we have different opportunities for our staff to kind of, for, for those voices to be elevated about um, what are their needs? What is happening? We're also doing a, a lot of different type of research with them about what's that we have our staff engagement survey and and trying to understand like right now, there are two things for um, up and coming staff, right? Regardless of generation um, that they look for in the workplace, they're looking for um, people to walk the race equity walk. Um, if you say you're going to be you're doing it, let's see how you do it. Let's see how committed you are and uh, um, well-being. And how, how, how are you caring for us? What, what does wellness look like? And for our staff, those things cannot be separated. We, we have to think about well-being of the staff as it's, as it with the foundational bed of race. And, and um, because wellness for our communities is a new conversation. It's a, it's a, um, it, it hasn't necessarily been something that we talk a lot about. So trying to understand that, I think the other pieces too is that, um, as as Deborah mentioned, we we are working on having more intentional spaces and more regular spaces to um, for our staff to work with residents, to work with youth, to work with participants, to understand what are the different ways to elevate their voices. Um, and we talk about kind of how do we use our role to open the door and get out of the way, <laughs> um, and people get to go through it however they they want. And um, I think the third one is how how do we partner. Um, with other stakeholders. When we think of elevating voices, we, we're part of a larger community. We're part of a neighborhood, right? Is it place matters? Um, so how are we engaging with other partners to so they so, so they can hear the voices of our of our participants, our residents, our youth, our staff, our community, but we're also trying to figure out how to build a bridge so we're all serving and working in communities in a way that makes sense to our communities, right? That we're not thinking about them as something that we need to fix, um, but that what is broken is our system. And, and how do we work in fixing that system? Yeah, so um, great discussion to both of you. Uh, and I, I want to, um, Maria, ask you actually just, so how does this work differ between the staff and the board? Because at PPL, we have been intentional with the board, but but what do those two journeys, how do those differ? Yeah, so 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 they're different and they're same all at the same time. So right, so for for our staff, there there's more intentionality and we're we're doing the work to build capacity there to make sure that the that the how 
that we're doing is that we're not just focusing on the what, but the how, and then the how is going to be done by our staff. So we do a lot of um, talent development capacity building with our staff. Um, with our board, we're providing resources and opportunities so they can do that work on their own. Um, they can go out and, 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 and reach out what resources and what opportunities they need there. And I think the ones that are similarities, the expectation of this is the work that we're gonna be doing. Our board members understand how we do the work, um, why we do it, and it is integrated into everything that, that the board discusses, whether they're discussing real estate development, resident services, our executive um, committee, uh, that this conversation is integrated and that is extremely similar to how we do it at the staff side, um, where all of our conversations are founded on, on, on race equity and, and people. So I think that's, I think that the how we do it looks a little bit different because the needs are different, but the the why we do it um, is where, where we kind of find that similarity. Yeah. That's great. The, uh, um, I just think, uh, um, you know, when George Floyd and, and the riots happened, the number of board members who came up and said to me, um, I'm so grateful to be part of this organ, I've learned so much about equity. So again, we had started this work, and again, I'll say this modestly, we had started this work eight, nine years ago with the <laughs> board, with the staff, with our partners in the community. Uh, and so when George Floyd and the riots happened, it was, none of this was news for right. our board members, many of whom do come from mainstream institutions. We didn't have to make up, uh, uh, or, or come up with a, a statement on diversity and equity. Um, we didn't have to, um, you know, find new strategies. We were well into that work. And again, there's no doubt that that point in time and and those those incidents, what I call the multiple pandemics, right? COVID followed by George Floyd's murder, followed by political unrest, followed by insurrection, multiple pandemics, and uh, that have impacted particularly our our folks, the folks who live with us, the kids who come to our schools and 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 live in our housing, the folks who come through our doors for training, mm -hmm. their world has been turned upside down by those multiple pandemics. And so again, um, I you said uh, Maria, how we do the work, uh, and this is this is one of my it comes from you. <laughs> how how we do the work is as important as what the work is. So let me say that again, how we do the work matters as much as what the work is. And coming out of George Floyd and the riots, you know, we were we at PPL were talking about how we rebuild is as important as what we rebuild coming out of the riots. And, and so for us, that is the intersection of equity work, of culture work. Everyone has culture. That's one of the things that I love about our work here at, at, at PPL is that it is, it is about race, which is a primary dimension of difference. It's also about culture. And Deborah, what you said earlier about how folks show up in the workplace, how our staff shows up in the workplace uh, matters. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, um, so how we do the work is as important as what uh, the work is. Um, so one, one last question for both of you here, and, and that is, um, you know, what do you, what is, what do, what do you think an equitable future looks like uh, mm -hmm. kind of in in the workplace and, and in the community more broadly? Deborah, how about you? 
Oh, that's a loaded question, Paul. <laughs> that's why I asked it. I know, right? <laughs> um, for me, as I look at the future uh, for our community and for our teams and our staff and the people that live in our housing, it looks like there is opportunity that is equitable for everyone's need and how does that look, right? For example, the people that are in our housing, equitable means when they come to PPL, they, there's an expectation that they will be treated with respect, dignity, and what their needs are being met in terms of their housing needs. Right. And in terms of they can expect the staff to engage them in a respectful way. They can have the expectation that if their kids are having trouble with school, that there's somebody that they can talk to. There's a resource that can be provided to them. For me, it goes back again to when we talk about what are the choices and what's the difference in a free choice and a choice. Equitable to me means that you have the information, that you have the resources that you have the opportunity provided for what your need is in terms of housing, in terms of a level of, of being treated with dignity and respect. And I think with our work, because we do provide a wide range of services and support, not only in the community, but for and to our staff that work here, because we can't have an expectation that to, the staff is going to go out and do great things in the community and they aren't feeling like they are feel like they have an equitable voice as well. It means that we all have opportunity provided based on what it is that expectation is. And I think Maria is doing a good job when it comes to looking at when people are coming into the organization, what are the things they can expect in terms of equity? What are the ways they're going to engage with other staff that are already here? And we don't just look at this from a, this isn't, this isn't a traditional top-down kind of way of being. Paul, when you started early on, I remember you saying clearly that you wanted to start in the middle. You wanted to start in the middle of what we're doing and how we're doing it, because a lot of the, the what we're doing lies in the middle, right? How does that staff lean up and lean out? How do, how do they do it in terms of the work, in terms of their values? No, no. And that's where I think that, that piece of that golden thread of all of this work lies. It's, it's by the individual, it's by each person, every department, every person that's in our housing, all the vendors, that we use, we use BIPOC vendors, you know, to make sure that what we are getting is also equitable in the greater community, right? That's fabulous, uh, uh, Maria. How about how about you? What what? Uh, yeah. Deborah's covered just just about everything there. Yeah. So <laughs> I know. She just like to make it hi, Deborah. Um, <laughs> let me look at it then from three hundred feet. All right. Um, I, I think. Um, 
in general, right? Not just because, Deborah, you cover everything like that future here at PPL and how do we continue to grow. Um, I think for general, for like all of our communities, um, I, for me, an, an equitable future looks like that the systems are built around our experiences, that um, we don't, we don't, we move from being the exception to being the rule and how things that are built are created and, and the policies that are made that we don't have to constantly be trying to carve this one little space so 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 we can have rights and and dignity um so i think that's one piece i the other piece for me is that um we we have the opportunity to as much as we talk about the pain of our communities and the struggles of our communities that we're carving massive space to talk about the joy um and, and 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 the beauty of who we are because we are more than just the struggles that we have experienced we're so much more than that um so for me an equitable future looks like that systems are created with us in mind and and the opportunity for us to celebrate um all of the joy and all of the accomplishments that we have made we could talk for hours actually and we have and we will <laughs> Uh, but I, I just, uh, one, you all have captured uh, a lot here. And I think um, just kind of in summary, the, the you know, we're at PPL, we're working on dialogue and culture as one element of our work. We're working on staffing and hiring and retention and representation, another dimension of the work. We're working on, uh, Maria, you mentioned, or, or uh, Deborah, you mentioned vendors, uh, the way that we partner with external community-based organizations, BIPOC vendors, Black Architect we're using over at Lake and Nicollet, uh, partnering with the Black Church up in in uh, uh, Brooklyn Center, um, working with a healthcare nonprofit on the east side of St. Paul. Those are all kind of intentional, uh, intentional the, the work that we've done for many years with, with Native organizations uh, and, and the, the uh, American Indian community all examples of how we show up in community. Uh, Maria, you mentioned advocacy. And I think one of the lessons here for us and, and some of what I try to, to share with, with my colleagues in the sector is you actually, you have, to, you have to work simultaneously on all of these areas. If you just pick out one, we're just gonna work on hiring or just gonna work on board representation. You, 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 will, never, you will never really make progress unless you do and that's hard it's more complicated uh but 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 you have to do that work on all of those multiple levels simultaneously and sometimes we're really getting it right in one area and we're really struggling in another it's it is not a it is not a linear you know uh path of growth upward it it is it is horizontal it is up and down and over time i really believe that your outcomes, as you said, Deborah, really do begin to reflect uh, uh, kind of a just a, a, a another another level, and and I think we we've seen some of that at PPL for sure. Again, modestly speaking, so I just want to quickly capture uh, a number of phrases that you all used. Uh, both of you talked about your career, kind of as a calling. It's personal. Um, my, uh, uh, you talked about free having a free choice. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, you you talked about by us doing the work by us for us. Um, we talked about the multiple approaches. Um, Deborah, you you talked about calling folks into the work 
not calling people out. That is absolutely, I think, at the heart of our work. We talked a lot about voice and the power of voice, both for our staff, as well as for our residents and participants and young people. Uh, uh, Maria, you talked about we want it, we aren't here to do things to the community. We want to do things with community. Uh, how we do the work is as important as what the work is. Place matters. Um, and uh, and just I loved what you said just at the end there. I think, Maria, you said uh, we are more than just our struggles. Yeah. Right. And that is that is kind of looking at community as an asset um, and not just as a deficit, as a problem to be dealt with. And I just think that is so true. The richness uh, in our communities, the richness in our schools, the richness in our neighborhoods, even in the midst of significant struggle um, is incredible. Uh, and again, you can you can see that across our community. You have to have your eyes open appropriately and you have to be you have to have your heart open, I think, in the right ways. So thanks to you both. Uh, really appreciate it. And, and thanks to all of you for listening in. I'm Paul Williams from PPL, and this has been the Race, Place, and Policy podcast. We'd love to hear what you have to think, uh, what you have to say, or what you think as well. Drop us a note uh, at communications at ppl-inc.org. And we hope you'll subscribe and sign up for notifications from wherever it is that you get your podcasts. You can always find us on our website at ppl-inc.org. Until next time, be well, be safe. Thanks so much.